0: Welcome to the Afternoon Show. I'm Bill Arnold, and I am delighted that you are spending time with me today. I hope your day's been going well, and if you had a a rough day at work, I hope this gives you a chance to decompress on your way home, and as you're maybe getting ready to have dinner with your family or loved ones, it's always great to uh, put life in perspective. And one of the greatest books to study is the book of Ecclesiastes, and I love that book, and I fear that book, And I don't always understand it because it's not easy. So I'm having uh, the great uh, privilege of meeting for the first time Brent Niedergall, who has written a book on Ecclesiastes. It's a daily devotional. And when I think of the very first verse of Ecclesiastes, we could probably spend the whole hour right there, but we're probably going to go beyond that. But I'm so glad to have Brent Niedergall as my guest. Brent,
1: welcome. Bill, what a privilege. Thank you so much for having me. So,
0: hevel, hevel. Everything is utterly Hevel.
1: It is. It really is, isn't it? <laughs> different, what, different ways to translate that, huh?
0: Well, I guess that's the Hebrew, uh, and, it, and it would mean vapor or smoke. Um, and it's used, what, 38 times in Ecclesiastes. It's just
1: life is temporary and life is fleeting. It is, and that's uh, doesn't sound like an encouraging message. But the Book of Ecclesiastes, I believe, is a very encouraging book. So that's some irony there, huh? Yeah. Let Let's just kind of do the uh, the overview of
0: Ecclesiastes just to get kind of that thirty thousand foot view of it. Because for many people, they they hear things out of Ecclesiastes, and they go, "Oh, I recognize that passage in that verse." And then the other things you come up against, you go, "Ooh, this is kind of a downer."
1: Yeah. It it uh, definitely has that reputation, and uh, I am i was excited when I heard you uh, say in the introduction that you love this book because I think it gets overlooked. Uh, you probably wouldn't get super excited if you heard your pastor was—the average Christian might not get super <laughs> excited if that's the sermon series that's coming up. But yeah, a wonderful book, and I spent uh, a, about a year uh, researching and uh, writing this devotional, so I really uh, grew in my love for the book, and it really came at the right time, uh, just my engagement with it.
0: Yeah. So, I'm seated next to you at a dinner party and you, and I say, "So, what do you do?" and you go, "Well, I I wrote a book on Ecclesiastes." And I'm <laughs> I'm not a Christian, so I go, "Well, wh- what is that about? I'm still looking for my overview."
1: <laughs> yeah. So, Ecclesiastes is a book that answers life's big questions, the questions we look for purpose and meaning, and uh, if, like, as you said, life feels meaningless and, uh, or transient with Hebel. Uh, but what is the purpose? And we find in Ecclesiastes the message that that purpose is uh, fearing God. A uh, mm-hmm. relationship with God is where where that meaning and purpose is found. Uh, otherwise, you'll be disappointed.
0: And it's uh,
1: being obedient. Definitely. that That's uh, wrapped up in that fear of God for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Brent Niedergall is my guest, and we're talking about Ecclesiastes the whole hour. So if you have a a question or something that you would like us to discuss in relation to this, that would be wonderful. Uh, Brent is the uh, chief editor for a Bible curriculum publisher in North Carolina. He also reviews books on biblical studies for his blog, niedergall.com. And uh, he's uh, also gone to war in Afghanistan. He has felled towering trees, and he's parsed Greek verbs. That's my guest today. So let's let's start with that very first uh, couple of verses in Ecclesiastes, Brent, where we look at it and we think, okay, now who is the author? Who is the teacher? What are we learning
1: right up front? Yeah. Well, would would you uh, read a few verses to just to, to give a let everybody know what we're talking about? I will indeed.
0: I don't have it up right now, but I. Oh, no, I'm sorry to no, put you on the spot. No, that's okay. <laughs> I'm used to being on the spot because uh, that's my job. But yeah, let me get it here. Um, I will start with um let's see here ecclesiastes here we go oh well, it's not giving it to me <laughs> no. all right um let me try this another i can take it if you want I, I, no no I, uh... I, I got it i got it <laughs> i i have to i have to come through here all right here we go let me start with uh chapter 1 The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. All right, let's take a deep breath there.
1: Yeah so let's start with that first part and in, in the translation you read from um I think you said the teacher correct with a with a
0: That's capital a new, T a New International version did
1: say teacher yes Yeah so there's different ways uh, to take that first word um and really it's in the Hebrew um Koheleth, uh we people uh, that interpret these uh, Hebrew words for us tell us there's uh, different possibilities here it could be uh, a preacher uh, but we—that's sort of anach- anachronistic since it's not a church setting. But the uh, best we can derive—it's talking about someone who who calls an assembly together and leads mm-hmm. it. Uh, so it's a, a teacher is a good rendition there, I think, for that word. It's—it's it's definitely a uh, an educational setting that we're learning from the speaker here. He's teaching us, uh, and then we see he's the son of David, the king in Jerusalem, and uh, you know it doesn't explicitly say that this book is by Solomon, and there's been lots of debate by biblical scholars over the centuries about that. The traditional view is definitely Solomon, and uh, I actually am very keen on that view also, mm-hmm. that Solomon did indeed write this. Uh, he was king in Jerusalem, he was son of David, and uh, there's obviously uh, support for both sides of the argument there to, to go against uh, and for that. Um, but I, I take it these are the words of Solomon he's giving us a master's class in uh, wisdom here, Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, and he is setting out to teach us in these 12 chapters. Mm -hmm.
0: Now, Brent, God designed us to work, right? So uh, Ecclesiastes, in verse 3, goes on to say, What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and go, but the earth remains forever.
1: Yeah, and, and... in the introduction, uh, we were talking about the the pessimism, at least that's perceived in this book, and uh, it Solomon gives us a very honest look of life, and, and work can be disappointing. Uh, we go into work, and sometimes, depending on your job, uh, you may not have a lot of satisfaction. You may just be doing the same thing over and over, or something that you don't really see or feel productive about doing. Uh, so from a, from a very earthly perspective, if we're not taking... God's plan into account, it does feel meaningless uh, and does feel uh, very empty. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we if we have that proper perspective uh, that we're doing God's work, carrying out his will, uh, living according to his plan, uh, then, we, then there truly is purpose to what we're doing. Yeah, Brent, if we look at our job and
0: try to treat it as an act of worship to God, which may not be in your brain every morning when you go to work, but wouldn't that be one of the best ways to go about Doing your
1: everyday job yeah, for sure uh, in in my devotional I was writing, I think in one of the sections I talk about the uh, the Puritans and how they had such a, a good view of this when it came to their vocation and uh, no matter what you were doing, whether you're sweeping the floors or flipping burgers today or something like that, uh, you you can worship in, in every act that you're carrying out in the workplace.
0: Yeah and talk about feeling purposeful. Talk about being salt and light in the world. I mean, you can bring dignity to any job, and I think God is, uh, is, God is honored and glorified when you do that.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's easy to lose sight of that, though, isn't it? And, it's so it's easy can... to lose sight of it. You know, sometimes <laughs> yeah. I'll be checking out uh, at the grocery store,
0: and the person who's bagging the groceries, I go, I can't believe what a good mood you're in. You seem like
1: mm. you're just the nicest person in the world. And what a great attitude. Yeah, and as Christians, that that should be us—an uh, an opportunity to share our joy. Why? Why we can have that happy face even when we're doing something that seems menial or and uh, maybe not uh, the top job someone thinks that we would want to go after.
0: Yeah, Brent. You know, I was thinking uh, even today uh, about the importance of smiling. <laughs> I know this is really <laughs> a small deal, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's a big deal. I do see uh, people when they get a little bit older. It's sometimes I think. Well, are you scowling all day long? Is that is that Hmm. kind of your disposition? Is that kind of your default look? And I I think there's not a smile. And I think well, maybe maybe that's just where they're at in life. But when you smile at somebody, I can't think of anything that is more of a fast, universal connecting point than a smile.
1: Right. We communicate so much, and uh, my my kids they often accompany. I have four small children, and they'll accompany me on walks around the neighborhood. And uh, we walk regularly, and we remember the people we see that we encounter. And even though we don't know their names, we can describe them as like, oh, that's the, the friendly person, the friendly lady with the dog, or that's the grumpy <laughs> guy who never who never waves at us. <laughs> um, so, yeah, really, you're exactly right. Uh, it, it's easy to smile, but uh, we, we might not do it as much as we should. Yeah, it's just a good reminder
0: that any person that you come in contact with you know, eye contact and a smile is going to make a difference in their day because it's happened to me. You know, when yeah, people make, simply and, smile
1: at you, you go, oh, oh, thank you. That was so nice. <laughs> right. And, and take the initiative, you know, that you don't have to wait for them to, to acknowledge you. You can be first and in, in initiating.
0: Yeah. We're talking about the book of Ecclesiastes today with Brent Niedergall. He's written a book called Meaning for Your Labor the daily devotional from the book of Ecclesiastes we're going to continue after a short break thank you for joining me today if you have a a question about Ecclesiastes or maybe something that you hear in the show that you'd like us to uh, to, you'd like us to clarify let us know what it is 877-933-2484 be right back Sign up for the free Bible in a Year reading plan at MyFaithRadio.com and get everything you need to follow the plan each day and stay on track, including a printed schedule. Sign up now at MyFaithRadio.com. I'm meeting Brent Niedergall for the first time, and you are too. So glad to have him on the show. His uh, his devotion is Meaning for Your Labor, a daily devotional from the book of Ecclesiastes. And Brent, we didn't have to get far to come up with some pretty significant uh, points and some pretty important topics like what is meaningless and what has lasting value. And it doesn't uh, hurt to take that thought and pause and evaluate what has lasting
1: meaning in your life. Exactly right and that is where something comes in that I wanted to uh, make sure we mention and that one of these other recurring phrases that Solomon uses is talking about under the sun yes uh, and he, that's a something he brings up again and again and, and that's the I take that as the perspective that doesn't take God into account and when we're when we're living just with our, our eyes on this world, uh, it doesn't feel, like there's meaning. It doesn't feel like there's purpose. But when we recognize that there is a God, uh, that we're accountable to him, that he's revealed himself in his word and in the person of Jesus Christ, uh, then we see there is meaning and there is purpose for us.
0: Mm -hmm. I love a C.S. Lewis line that in one of his writings, he said, what isn't eternal is eternally out of date. You know, so Mm. you talk about what is meaningless because we spend so much of our time and energy trying to build our identity, trying to find pleasure trying to, you know, f- figure out how you're going to build your life and try to give it meaning. But anything you do apart from Christ is not going to work out very good. And Solomon
1: did a lot of experimentation. He, he had resources for his day uh, beyond our wildest imagination, although yeah. now we have things beyond his wildest imagination when it uh, comes to what we have access to. But he could fulfill any pleasure, uh, any any desire, uh, materialistically uh, in, in that sense. And uh, and he's still found all of that wanting. So if the wisest man in the world with uh, great wealth, if he couldn't learn, uh, if he could not obtain the, uh, the purpose and meaning he was looking for, then it's a good lesson for us that it's not to be found under the sun. Yeah. Amen to that. Uh, a listener named David said, my pastor is preaching through Ecclesiastes
0: right now. He told us about Hevel. Isn't that cool? That's
1: great. Yeah, Yeah. I'm glad to hear there's a a
0: preacher, a pastor, using that book. Me too. And his question was, do you think Solomon was bummed out when
1: he wrote it? That is a debate if he was a pessimist or an optimist, and and I think there's an answer for that Uh, in Ecclesiastes 12.10. I don't know if I should put you on the spot to read, though. or Do you you tell me if you want me to read it or you want to? Um, I can
0: probably uh, get to it quickly here. Um, Let's see. There we go, 12.10 says the teacher searched to find the right words, and what he wrote was upright and true.
1: And I don't have a, a Hebrew text in front of me or anything to check this. in In uh, the English standard version, it says the preacher sought to find words of delight uh, there too. So he was—I take it—he was looking for for joy and looking for happiness. He, with that under the under the sun perspective, it would be disappointment. But Solomon did recognize uh, that it was necessary to fear God and obey him. Uh, So he was probably bummed out during that experimentation, uh, but it sounds like he came, he drew the right conclusions ultimately, which would have brought joy. Mm -hmm. So Brent, in Ecclesiastes, obviously
0: in the first chapter, Solomon really calls attention to the difficulty of
1: the labor that we do on earth. He does. As a, my wise uh, eight-year-old son likes to say <laughs> that life is real, and he says that whenever he's uh, just confronted with some reality about the the hardships of life that you don't realize when you're super young. But uh, life is real, and life is tough, and uh, as Christians, we shouldn't shy away from that reality because Scripture, the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, case in point, doesn't shy away from that. There's there's lots of difficulty and pain, uh, oppression, and and all kinds of things that mm-hmm. we have to deal with. Mhm. Brent, maybe the question we should all be asking ourselves is
0: uh, how does our labor, how does the work we do bring glory to God? It'd be great if we could all ask ourselves that question.
1: Right. We could all we could all search our hearts as, and our motives for why we're doing what we're doing, um our attitudes as we as we labor. Mm-hmm. Um and maybe the Lord would have an even even have us do something that we're not currently doing. Uh, the Lord calls people into to ministry, uh, full-time vocational ministry. Uh, maybe the Lord has some opportunity for you to to serve one of your coworkers at work or something like that to make your labor more meaningful. Mm-hmm. In Ecclesiastes
0: chapter 1 verses 4 and 5, I'll read this. It says, "'A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises.'" You know, you go swim in the ocean, and 200 years from now, the ocean's still going to be there. You'll be long gone and forgotten. And it's interesting how in three generations, you're mostly forgotten, aren't you?
1: I was thinking about that before before we uh, begin this tonight. Just the—I've the, the uh, I've heard it before. You Maybe if you're in a room, you have people raise their hands who know the name of their— grandparents. Right. And then you have people who know the name of their great grandparents and it, it diminishes very quickly, doesn't it? It does. And then if you those say, hands. what are great,
0: great grandparents, a lot of people start to sweat and they go, mm, not sure I know those names. But yeah. That's three generations. What they came
1: from. Yeah. yeah. And it's amazing how, how quickly and that'll, it'll be the same for us. So it's, uh, it's a good corrective to any pride we might have about <laughs> what, uh, what kind of legacy we're leaving, uh, multiple generations beyond us. There might not be much of one.
0: Yeah. So if we can leave a, a lasting spiritual impact on
1: somebody, that's the most beautiful legacy I think you can leave. Yeah. If you can share the gospel with someone and they come to Christ and then, then they're on fire for the Lord and share that with others. That really is uh, a, a wonderful way to, to, to make an impact.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. I, I don't want to stick just in chapter one, but I love chapter one. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verses 6 and 7, the wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind. (laughs) And on its circuits, the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full to the place where the streams flow. There they flow again. Boy, hmm. there's a lot of repetition out there, isn't there?
1: Yeah, and we have to remember there, there is a lot – this is uh, someone who's writing with uh, a poetic uh, style, mm-hmm. and they're using – they're writing with artistry here, but he's saying there's there's nothing – new, but but every all these things, if you notice that he's talking about, these are things under God's control, even though they seem circuitous and uh, seem just revolving around and around, but it's God that controls that wind and it, it's God who uh, controls that water too. So even even when it seems like there's no purpose and everything's just cycling through, repeating itself, uh, God is still uh, at work.
0: Mm-hmm. Brent Niedergal is my guest. So Brent, when we think of Solomon talking about the theme of monotony, now that, that's a, a word that a lot of people get a little bit uh, anxious about because we don't like monotony. Although I love routine. I think you love routine. I bet everyone deep down loves routine. But the word monotony, how do you, um, how do you measure that out when it comes to routine? Do you think it's the same word or, or how do you uh, distinct, make a distinction between those two?
1: yeah monotony has a definitely a negative it does connotation doesn't it yeah it and, does uh, routine can be positive right we uh someone who's consistent and reliable uh they they might be going we want our our militaries to to train and follow a routine because we depend on them and uh, a wife may want her husband to to come home in time for dinner, and, and there's a routine there, and uh, that could be viewed. Maybe you know a husband views that as monotony and dreads having to go home uh, to his to to the house. Hopefully, that's not the case, but that would be a wrong perspective on his part to see that as monotony. Right? He should mm-hmm. should embrace uh, routine sometimes.
0: Mm-hmm. Brent Niedergall is my guest. In his devotional is on Ecclesiastes, and I'm I'm going to read uh, a line here. It says, "Our own activities." No, the world is wearing itself out with endless activity. Our own activities in the pursuit of satisfaction are exhausting. The constant effort is enough to wear anyone out. Perhaps our primary concern, instead of finding satisfaction in life, should be finding true rest for our weariness. That I could uh, put on a
1: a wooden board and sell it and sell a lot of them. (sighs) People, people want that people uh, want rest from from the just the constant cycle of uh, futile pursuits of satisfaction uh, and we we as Christians know that's that's found in a relationship with the Lord but you hear about uh, uh, people who get caught up in uh, Content production for social media, the the, the so-called influencers, and mm-hmm. if they're looking for satisfaction in that, they have to keep grinding out new content. And uh, but where where does it all end? What's how many followers are enough? How many how many views and likes are enough? Yeah. And uh, and we can wear ourselves out over that, wanting the approval of people or or some satisfaction of accomplishment uh, that we may never achieve.
0: Yeah. That's so true. And if you're addicted to that adrenaline that said, oh, I got 10 more likes and something goes off in your
1: brain, that's not a good road to be on either, is it? No, that, that would be a disappointing rut to fall into, but uh, but it, we, can, we can all fall into that sort of thinking in different areas.
0: Yeah. So Solomon observes nothing is new uh, and there's uh, nothing new under the sun. Um, so when we think of uh, God's perspective, thank goodness, in God's perspective, we have great purpose, great meaning, and uh, great joy.
1: He's perfectly wise and good he's our creator he created us and which is astounding. Uh, One of the uh, things I came across recently was someone set out, this was back from 2014, but they wrote what they called the shortest ever commentary on the Bible. And for each each book of the Bible, they crafted a, a clever tweet. And for Ecclesiastes, it's short, I'll just read it. He said, life is an empty sink. Someone has pulled the plug and all the meaning has drained out of it. So enjoy yourself. But I think that's too negative. I, I don't think that's what Solomon wanted us to walk yeah, away with. no, We'll take a, <laughs> a break. Yeah, let me take a break.
0: Uh, Brent, we'll be right back. We're going to continue our discussion with Brent Niedergall. His book is Meaning for Your Labor, a daily devotional from the book of Ecclesiastes. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. Brent Niedergal is my guest. Uh, you know I have a, a pre-published, advanced copy of his book, so I'm, I'm the I'm the lucky one right now because it's not quite available for purchase. Do I have that right, Brent?
1: You do. It'll become available in May through awesome. the website of my publisher. It won't be on. Eventually, we'll have it on Amazon as a free Kindle uh, book. Awesome. Thank you for that. I love uh, resources like this that are made available that way. That's really
0: nice. All right. Now, I want to chat a little bit about uh, Solomon, who uh, apparently you know, talked about uh, the two paths in life. There's the path of wisdom, and then there's that path of folly, right? And you would think that he would want to stay on the path of wisdom, but he... According to your um, your book, he took a, a walk on the, the the wild side, didn't
1: he? He did, which is tough to comprehend. How someone so wise could yeah. could be so foolish? And we know from elsewhere, and from uh, from elsewhere in scripture, that he made some very foolish decisions when it came to to marriage and idolatry, and uh, which is disappointing. But uh, it's a good reminder for us and humbling that uh, we, even in our devotion and service to the Lord, will still mess up and mess things up and you see it all the time with incredibly wise people um when and godly people do ungodly things yeah and it's important to remember i think what you just brought out with these these two paths of wisdom and foolishness ecclesiastes isn't the only Book we have in scripture. So when it when we when we when people emphasize the negative message, uh, but if we if we balance it out with what else we know that Solomon wrote, we know that there's a lot of positives too. And, and in Proverbs, he really does remind us of these two paths of wisdom and foolishness. He knew that foolishness wasn't the right path, even though he he tended to go down that at times. Mm-hmm. Brent Solomon, uh,
0: y- you talk about that he discovered a, a cause and effect relationship. Uh, between wisdom and distress, and shouldn't wisdom lead to less frustration and pain?
1: The way I see it, and what what he seems to be expressing here in Ecclesiastes is that the more you understand about life, uh, you you do see that things, you no, know, even the wisest person, things aren't always going to work out how we think they should. And that, I think, is what was distressing for Solomon. Um, but where we find peace is, and when we're in the midst and in the heat of it, it, it is difficult to remember uh, that God has purpose and he's in control. Um, but it, it tends to be when we get on the backside of that and God brings us through it, we can look back and say, OK, God, God was at work. He brought all that together. Um, but it, it can be distressing when, when things aren't going right. And wisdom gives us an awareness of that, that that things aren't going to go how we want them to. Mm -hmm. And
0: Solomon also let us know that his experiment in pleasure did not bring any satisfaction. It was meaningless. There's the Hevel word again.
1: Yeah, there's one of my favorite illustrations I included in this book um, came from this strange uh, French novel that, that, uh, that I read years ago. It was translated into English, um, but it's called Life, a User's Manual. And there's this character in the, in the book who once he purposely sets out, after, after obtaining great wealth, he's a wealthy man, I don't remember how exactly, but he wants to devote his life uh, to accomplishing nothing. And he, he spends years learning to paint watercolors, then he travels around the world painting all these seaports. And then he has these paintings turned into puzzles. And then he puts these puzzles together. And then he sends them off to be erased. So it's a bizarre story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the at the end of all his work and all his effort, he has nothing to show for it. And uh, for me, that, that underscores uh, what a wasted life, uh, in essence, is. Is we we uh, grind away on the uh, in, in the rat race, if you want to call it that, or and what are we achieving if, if we're not doing anything for the Lord? Then it, it is all for naught. It's all all just a waste of time.
0: Mm-hmm. So when you think of Solomon building a magnificent house, incredible uh, vineyards, and having this unbelievable wisdom and resources. Um, you would think, you know, that God certainly was blessing Solomon with these riches. Um, and riches are are nice things. But uh, you say, Brent, that uh, we need to keep in mind how we build matters as much to God as what we build. Say more about that.
1: Yeah, you know, if if all we had was the book of Proverbs, we might think if we're serving the Lord and living obediently, that we're going to have, uh, everything's going to be peachy keen and rosy and we'll have blessing. And there, there's good principles in Proverbs. It's, an, it's equally, it's an inspired book of the Bible. Uh, but Ecclesiastes does give us the other side of that. And uh, even if we're being wise and obedient, uh, things may be difficult, uh, things may be distressing. Um, but through that, we have to keep our focus on the Lord. Uh, and continue to uh, main, strive to maintain that right perspective, seek God's grace to do that, uh, ask him to help us uh, endure those difficulties. And, and we get a lot of that in the New Testament, That uh, those exhortations to endure, uh, because the early church did not have it uh, very, very easy. Think things were rough with persecution and, and opposition, uh, but they were, they were being faithful and obedient.
0: Mm-hmm in Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 5 in verse 2 it says do not be quick with your mouth do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before god god is in heaven and you are on earth so let your words be few Now you There's talk a lot
1: of, you talk <laughs> <there> are, <laughs> Maybe I should uh, uh, save my words but there there are a lot of good proverbial exhortations like that in Ecclesiastes what I what I found very interesting with Uh, This turn right here in Ecclesiastes 5 is right before this in Ecclesiastes 4. You have that well-known section about, uh, I'll I'll just read one of the verses. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? Uh, Then the next verse, though a man might prevail against one who is alone to withstand withstand him, a threefold cord is not quickly broken. A lot of people know that. Uh, But it's talking about the value of human relationships. Uh, here in Ecclesiastes 4, but then in 5, it turns to God. And I think what Solomon's trying to show us here is that uh, human relationships are important, but we also need a relationship with God, which he introduces here in, in chapter 5. So we need to be careful in everything we do, which includes our speech and uh, in, in how how we talk, uh, and we need to be uh, mindful of that, and and really value our relationship with the Lord too.
0: Mm-hmm. Brent, let's go to uh, Ecclesiastes three and talk about the passage, the "A Time for Everything" passage that most people are familiar with. And if you uh, hear that passage, most people will say, "Yeah, I think that's from Ecclesiastes." But yes, that is one of the the well known passages, yeah. and. What insights do we have? What do we learn from this
1: incredible passage of, what is it, eight verses? Yeah, it goes through verse eight, and over and over he says there's a time for this and a a time for that, and some of the things look good, uh, time to be born, a time to plant, uh, but in some of those things we would say maybe don't sound so good, A, a time to kill, for instance, and... Uh, i think this is a uh, a passage that may um, at least my take may be a little unpalatable to to some but i i believe that this is telling us that there is a time for all these things because God has appointed the times for all these things so even for even for killing if it's in a in a setting of warfare, for example, mm-hmm. if it's if it's our country, as, an, as a messy business as a, that is, uh, there is a proper time to kill. And in, in Scripture, we see that with the people of Israel and so forth. Um, so there's a time for everything. Uh, there, but this also reminds us there's time for a lot of good things, too. Things we don't deserve that are gifts from God, like peace uh, there, as it concludes with. A time for peace. That's, mm-hmm. that's a blessing from God. And a time to laugh. So even in the midst of uh, things that might be unwelcome, we live in a world cursed by sin, uh, not because of God, but because of humanity. Uh, There is bad, but there is also good that God has appointed.
0: There's a couple of red flags in that Time for Everything passage, for example. A time to love and a time to hate. Um, I thought, um, I don't know how to make sense of that one. And a time to search and a time to give up. So, you know, I don't know if I understand all of them, but... I've got homework tonight.
1: Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe uh, we can consult what uh, what I wrote in my <laughs> devotion on Let's that one. Let's do But it. yeah, <laughs> uh, but no, I I feel that uh, that that I agree. Some of those are difficult uh, with with to grapple with, but there are things to hate, and we know that uh, idolatry is one of those things. Amen. Uh, in sin and so forth, but there's uh, no, there's never a time to hate another person. Uh, in or in 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 any way. So there's a proper way to do it. A proper way to to uh, to aim that hate. But uh, there's definitely a
0: wrong way to do it. Mm-hmm. So let's uh, come up with a short list of things we should hate. Obviously, sin. We should hate sin. Hate idols. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hate. We should hate. What else? Disobedience. We should hate yeah, that. Yeah, well,
1: I, think, I think you started with the big umbrella there with sin. Now I'm just thinking, uh, every, if I think of anything, I'm like, oh, that's, that's sin too. But uh, <laughs> hate, we, you know, we're told by, by Christ, he used very strong language, but talking about hating our family. Uh, but he didn't mean it in the sense that we uh, disparage them, but just we put Christ first above all else. So in, in that sense, uh, there's, there's a place for hate, but, but definitely not this hate we're talking about.
0: Mm-hmm. And what about a
1: time to uh,
0: keep silence and a time to speak? how would you understand that and apply that in our lives
1: today yeah that's in in verse 7 there yeah, and three. yeah they i think it's just when we have to be careful with with our speech and knowing when uh, when when someone talks to us in a, an offensive way or a mean way it it may just be the best thing to to stay silent we don't always have to defend our cause or or put the other person in their place or correct them. Sometimes we just need to be humble and and keep quiet, and that's the wise thing to do. But other times, there are times to speak. You can confront someone. Uh, you can speak up for someone uh, that's being mistreated or abused. Uh, so so there's two sides to that. It just requires God's wisdom to know to how to act in each time we find ourselves. Mm-hmm. Brent
0: Niedergall is my guest. We're talking about Ecclesiastes. An interesting uh, quote by John Golden Gay in your book. He says, we can plan something carefully, work hard at it, and be responsible and creative in implementing our plans, and everything can go wrong in a way we could never have foreseen. We can try to build uh, our concept of a perfect life, but success is an open question. Is our
1: labor worth the toil, Solomon asks. Wow. Yeah. Life is real as my, as my <laughs> year old son said. And, and, uh, Go, uh, Dr. Goldingay's book came out just at the right time that, uh, it's the one I'd recommend that commentary came out right before I started writing when I was early, early in this project. And, uh, yeah, he's exactly right. We, we probably all know that from our experience, we pour ourselves into something and it can be a, a tremendous waste of resources and time, but, uh, but there is comfort to be found if, if we were doing that for the Lord. Uh, we know that it's not lost and, mm-hmm. and we know that God is working out everything according to his purpose, even when we experience what we, what we uh, label failure.
0: Yeah. And Brent, I love your final thought in your devotional on Ecclesiastes 3.9, which is what gain has the worker from his toil. And your final thought is, trust God's wisdom as he determines which plans come to fruition. Boy, is that comforting.
1: Right. He, he is wiser than we are. And when we have something we think is going to be great and, and it doesn't happen, uh, instead of mauling over those disappointments and regrets or even questioning God, uh, we should be thanking God and praising Him and trusting yeah. Him because He's wiser than us. Amen. I always
0: think to myself, and I say this often, is God has information about my life that I don't
1: have. So I trust Him. Yeah, he's doing so much more than we have any, even a fraction of a clue about like, about how he's how he's carrying things out for for his glory.
0: Yeah. All right, we're gonna take a little break, and then when we come back, we're gonna continue our discussion on Ecclesiastes with uh, Brent Niedergall. And if you are uh, have been listening to Faith Radio at all in the last couple of days, you know we've got a couple of very exciting days tomorrow and Friday with our One Child Initiative. I can't stress enough how cool this is and how awesome it is. You can go to MyFaithRadio.com right now and check it out. We'll be right back with Brent in just a minute. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting... MyFaithRadio.com Welcome back to the show Brent Niedergall is my guest we're talking about Ecclesiastes he's written a devotional which is out in May so don't race to the bookstore quite yet So, Brent, let's jump into one of the verses that is considered, I think, probably one of the difficult verses in the the book of Ecclesiastes, and that's uh, uh, chapter 3, verse 11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end.
1: That is uh, one of those difficult ones. What's it talking about there? There's a, a good quote from the uh, theologian Herman Babink. He said, the human heart is so huge that all the world is too small to satisfy it. Wow. And uh, I think that's what uh, that when Solomon's talking about. He put eternity into our heart. Uh, we, we are searching. We're, we're looking for uh, meaning and purpose. Uh, we have this hunger, and only God can fulfill that hunger, um, which is a, a, the need we, we all have. So, mm-hmm. But I, I love how that verse starts. He has made everything
0: beautiful in its time. And I don't know if I've misinterpreted that verse, but I often think whatever problems we've had or things that have really challenged us, God will, in in his time, bring redemption through it.
1: Yeah, like that the passage, those verses in the beginning of chapter 3 three we were looking at, uh, but they just come right not too long before this verse. Uh, God has appointed all of these times. He's doing something uh, very good, and even even when it doesn't look that way to us. So he's, he's appointed those times that we find ourselves in so we can find comfort there. Um, mm-hmm. Just a little personal background about how uh, or why this book uh, came about at the right time. Um, I was sort of, I, I feel like Ecclesiastes might be the perfect uh, midlife crisis book when, <laughs> when you're, if you're going through your midlife crisis, turn, turn to Ecclesiastes. So I think, I don't know when you're supposed to have it. This may have been early for me, but I'm, all, I'm in my mid thirties, but, uh, my life ha- took a, a, an unexpected turn. Um, I was, uh, we had moved to Canada to Vancouver. I was, uh, an associate pastor up there. We'd only been there for a year. And some, uh, we had some challenges. My wife, her uh, father here, where I, where we live now in North Carolina, he passed away while we were in Canada, and uh, she was just having a difficult time. So we decided it, we needed to move back to North Carolina, but it was such a... Uh, and the other part of that, her mom was having uh, some health issues. So so it was just a, a difficult situation, but I just felt uh, like my compass was broken. I, we had... Made so many uh, put so much effort into getting to to Vancouver and then now here we are leaving and it was just uh, very very difficult but I found great comfort God provided He provided a, a wonderful job for me now as as, a, as an editor and I get to use uh, my training and uh, my passion and putting it to work there um, but it took a long time to sort of uh, find the, the, the inner calm, uh, that peace, and trust God's plan, uh, and, and it's, it's not an easy process. So I would encourage anyone, if, if, if I have any uh, impact on anybody listening today, it's to get in the book of Ecclesiastes. Whatever your difficulty someone's going through— uh, Ecclesiastes has comfort to offer and encouragement. Solomon was was looking to to give us some joyful words here, even in the midst of uh, misery and disappointment. So there's there's a blessing to be had. I appreciate that
0: that little backstory on your your life and your family. Thank you for that, Brent. So I want you to to speak some encouraging words to folks um, who might be discouraged over the inability to control. Life, and that to remind them that God has given us these wonderful gifts to enjoy.
1: There are gifts, and and Ecclesiastes lays these out for us. Uh, I wish I could turn to to one offhand in, uh, and just get you one quick. Well, there is one right here in in three, where where we're at in the next verse in three twelve. He says, "I perceive that there is nothing better for them." than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. So there are good things that God gives us. And even just look outside and see that there's a sun in the sky uh, and know that that, uh, there's air to breathe, that uh, there's food uh, that he's provided for you. Um, but it, there's there's things we can enjoy in this life. Uh, and no matter what difficulties, uh, we know that that God has a purpose for them. Uh, and we know he will also provide the grace we need to to get through those in uh, and, and our life may we may not hit this. Uh, resolution, like a storybook movie resolution, where where there's a happy ending from from an under the sun perspective, where mm-hmm. uh, where you know in the end of Job, he he gets he gets uh, there's a good ending for him, and, and that's not a storybook I ending. Mean, that's a, a true story. But uh, we may not get that. You know, we may we may die with broken relationships and bad health and uh, in poverty. Who knows? Um, but if we are following the Lord, that doesn't. Matter, he God God cares about us. He cares about the the our pain and suffering, but He'll get us through it. And He has some greater good that, that we don't understand. Uh, that in His wisdom He is achieving. Mm-hmm. I I love that
0: there are simple pleasures in life that I think God allows us to delight in. And there's nothing quite like gathering with loved ones and having a lovely meal together, enjoying your work. But when I look at Ecclesiastes three verses twelve and thirteen. It does make me want to ask you the question, Brent, when it says that uh, there's nothing better to be joyful and to do good as long as they live, also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. So how do we understand that you should eat and drink and take pleasure when we're just hearing from Solomon about the meaninglessness of all that?
1: Yeah, if your your perspective is limited to just this earth, then that that stuff is... Meaningless. You're, you can, especially. I think what he probably, what he would have meant here, they would have been drinking wine, and there would have been uh, frivolity here and things like that. But uh, if if you're just doing these things for the sake of doing them, then it will be disappointing. And and just as he found, pursuing all those things for their own sake will be disappointing. But if it's framed within the proper context of a proper relationship with the Lord, then you can view these as as gifts to be enjoyed as we carry out our our lives on this earth so i think it, it all comes with the with perspective the original the working title was this for this book was perspective for your path uh, and i think that it how we how we understand these verses is a matter of perspective we're looking at them like a believer, we can see that there's joy and satisfaction to be had. Uh, but we know that if you are uh, going through this life without the Lord, uh, then you will be discouraged and disappointed.
0: Mm-hmm. And the teacher in the book of Ecclesiastes sort of starts and ends the same way. And what would be the, the sort of the conclusion summary of the message?
1: Yep, yeah, he frames this book in, in the beginning. Uh, in the end, there's one uh, little interjection, too, um, that he makes midway. Uh, but yeah, he, he wraps it all up so nicely uh, with this grand conclusion at the end uh, that, that life, our purpose here ultimately is to uh, fear the Lord. We're not here to, to just enjoy the things of this life. Uh, those things can be enjoyed as we serve God. Um, but we are created for God's glory and to fear him. And then as we do that, we can enjoy all these gifts. Mm-hmm. So the
0: last two verses of the end of Ecclesiastes, now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind, for God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil.
1: Wow, that that's a... Incredible way to end. It is. We're accountable to God. We're yeah. not our own master on this earth. We answer to Him, and with that in mind, our primary responsibility is to obey Him and fear Him, yeah. uh, serve Him with with everything we have.
0: And Brent, don't you think sometimes we have that reversed, where we want God to be accountable to us? Hey, God, what's going on? Look at my life. Help me. Right. Help me understand what's going on here. You know, we're not accountable.
1: He's not accountable to us. We're accountable to him, right? And we can we can grow frustrated and and angry with God. Uh, it's easy to do that to fall into that temptation, uh, and that's why we need to be reminded like this uh, yeah. from from these verses from God's Word.
0: So enjoyed meeting you, Brent. Thank you for taking uh, your time today to talk about Ecclesiastes. I can't wait to uh, read it regularly this year. So thank you. Thank you so much, Bill. I'll I'll challenge myself to continue. Good deal. Brent Niedergall has been my guest. His book coming out in May is called Meaning for Your Labor, a daily devotional from the book of Ecclesiastes. That is what we have planned for today. It's come to a conclusion. I cannot wait for tomorrow. We're going to start our One Child Initiative. And if you are thinking about um, sponsoring a child, you can go right now to myfaithradio.com and look over all the children that hope to be sponsored. Have a good night everyone. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at myfaithradio.com.